2: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us.
1: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and A member FDIC.
3: This I am a peacock! You gotta let me fly! This is the Rich Eisen Show. That is it! North don't fly. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. I know I'm great.
1: But let me just express to everybody out there who does not root for Duke. It is a wild watch.
3: Earlier on the show, from NBC Sports, Peter King. Coming up, host of Peacocks Pro Football Talk, Mike Florio, CBS Sports broadcaster, Ian Eagle. And now, it's a Rich
1: Eisen. Our number two of the Rich Eisen Show is on the air. 844-204-RICH. Number to dial. If you're on hold, stay on hold. We will take your phone calls this very hour over Reaction Monday. Uh, TJ Jefferson, are you ready to commandeer that since Chris Brockman is... Uh, is uh, on the. Obtaining himself? Somewhere? He's on the Mexican Riviera yeah. right now. I'm going to do my best to hold up. You know, Brockman set the standard pretty high. Okay. With these, so. That'll be coming <laughs> up. DJ Mikey D is in D's Nuts. You're in your position. You are where you are right here on the Rich Eisen Show. <laughs> Again, 844 204 Rich shot. is the number to dial here on the program. Uh, we just spoke with Peter King mm-hmm. of NBC Sports, and his um, his Football Morning in America column can be seen. Uh, and read on Pro Football Talk, whose uh, site uh, was created by this man joining us here. He kicks everything off on NBC Sports on Peacock every single day. His new book is out where all books can be acquired. Now for a week-plus, Playmakers, uh, this man's book uh, is must-read, so you should go and buy it. Joining us here on the Rich Eisen Show once again is Mike Florio. Happy Monday, sir.
2: I appreciate the clarification. I don't care if you read it. I just want you to buy it. Reading it is optional. (laughs) Buying it is man. Well, uh, you know what? I,
1: I uh, on Friday. That's when I reached out to you um, because I I needed uh, somebody who can understand the legal aspect of everything with Deshaun Watson. Now that a football team has not only um, acquired him but gave him the best contract in the history of the National Football League in terms of guaranteed and guarantees and so on and so forth. Um, and and you with your knowledge of the NFL and also uh, legal world. Perfect. Uh, and I appreciate you joining me here. So that's my preamble to basically start with the Browns on Friday said that their legal staff told them they could not uh, or should not reach out to any of Deshaun Watson's accusers because uh, I guess I don't understand why. So I'll give you the floor on that aspect of what we heard from Friday.
2: Well, the various people who addressed the matter, GM Andrew Barry in the press conference that happened alongside Deshaun Watson and Coach Kevin Stefanski, and then ownership, which zoomed in two hours later, and a lot of people believe that they all should have been there facing the music together, that the owner should have been there elbow to elbow with Deshaun Watson at his introduction to Cleveland. The message from Barry and from the Haslams was that the lawyers strongly encouraged them to not talk to these people because it would potentially interfere with the criminal investigation. So they hired an outside investigator who did something to secure sufficient information to allow them to become comfortable with the notion of adding Deshaun Watson, despite these twenty-two civil cases that were still pending and the grand jury possibilities that obviously have since resolved. The first one was the the key to sparking the land rush between four teams to try to get Deshaun Watson, and then there was another one Last week, that kind of surprised everybody, but it went away almost as quickly as it emerged. And now he has, in theory, a clean bill of health on the criminal side, but he's still got these 22 civil cases. And I don't know whether or not, Rich, they are comfortable that he did nothing wrong. Andrew Berry was asked as the final question on Friday, "Do you believe there was no wrongdoing?" And he didn't answer it. And I think anything other than "Yes, we believe there was no wrongdoing" is Quite possibly no. I just don't think they I don't want to say they don't care. I just think they're not really all that concerned about tracking down a final answer. They're concerned about what happens going forward. Can we trust him in Cleveland? Are we gonna have similar issues here? And are we gonna get past this at some point and get to playing football and winning games and everyone's gonna forget about it? I so I, I think that they didn't necessarily want to track down every last detail. They just want to be comfortable that moving forward it's not going to be something that they're going to have to deal with in Cleveland as it relates to potential new claims.
1: But what about the legalese about they shouldn't contact, you know, and, and look into So a team says that they did their due diligence but didn't speak to anybody who says otherwise uh, about Watson makes no sense to me. And there's a legal reason for it?
2: Is well, it- one thing they could do— is read the transcripts of the plaintiffs who have given sworn testimony within the confines of the civil actions. Now, not all of them have done that. So at some point you run out of material if the goal is to find out what every specific person says about Deshaun Watson. And then you have other resources available. Now, again, it all depends on how good the investigators are. You talk to people from the Houston Police Department, you talk to other people in the community, you talk to people who know these individuals who are making these claims against deshaun watson you speak extensively to his team and lawyer rusty harden has been on record saying he thinks that all of the women are not telling the truth now i don't think he's come out and said it's a conspiracy or whatever and it's going to be very difficult to hold a conspiracy of 22 individuals together for one year plus if it is something like that but you know I, i just think at the end of the day they made an assessment that he's got an issue in the civil justice system that he has to resolve. He's got an issue with the league that's going to result in a suspension at some point. But after all of that happens, we move forward with a franchise quarterback for at least the next decade, and we're fine making that bet. So that's why I think deep down, Rich, that's why I say they didn't care. And I don't mean that they are uncaring, I mean they just don't care about the details. He's not going to be charged criminally. He's got to work out these civil cases, and the best thing they could do is tell him, just take some of this $230 million and settle the damn cases. They're doing this for the payoff, not for the short term. They understand there's going to be short-term pain. They're dealing with it. I don't know that they properly estimated what they were going to be dealing with, but I think to get down to it, they just really didn't want to turn over every rock and find out everything and make their own judgment, because if they had determined he had done something wrong, I still think they would have done the deal they just want to know going forward can they trust him not to engage in the same behaviors again has he learned his lesson that's the thing that i think that they wanted to know
1: mike florio of uh, pft live on peacock uh, author of playmakers where all books are sold pro football talk here on the rich eisen show so moving forward with watson he says he has no intention of settling any of these cases so does that mean that uh you know week six you know Big Thursday night game, Sunday night game, or what have you. Um, we could be getting ready for the game, and somebody has a sit-down interview, and they're talking about it, or, or or we find out more information about what happened. I mean, this is an open situation; it's not open and shut. So, well, how does that was work? Just a
2: few weeks ago, that Pete Carroll said he has no intention to trade Russell Wilson, and I don't say that flippantly when we say no intention intention changes and i think part of this game and and i don't want to trivialize it but there is a certain gamesmanship to it when you're dealing with a lawyer who represents the 22 individuals who know that if the person who's been sued shows excessive urgency to settle the case what happens price goes up that's the way it works people look at that and say oh i thought it was about justice and truth and no at a certain point it's about how much are you going to pay me to settle this case And how much is it worth to you to not have this cloud hanging over you, your employer, and your new NFL city? So if he says on Friday, I want to settle these cases, price goes up. So he tried to finesse it by saying no intention to settle, I want to clear my name. That's the signal that his camp has been sending. They intend to go forward, they intend to fight, they intend to prevail. And think about how the process is going to go. You're not going to try all 22 at once. You're talking about one after another. It's going to take half of a year at least to process these cases, unless you do want two or three a week, and maybe you can. I don't know. But you're talking about a lot of work, a lot of effort to go through 22 trials. I think at the right moment, at the right time, they make settlement offers. They come up with a way to properly resolve these cases. Jimmy Haslam said he trusted Deshaun Watson's camp will do the right thing. And the one thing that I think Watson's camp needs to understand, and I'm not sure that they did as of a week ago. Maybe they do now. If there's 22 cases pending, Rich, when the season rolls around, there's a real good chance he's ending up on paid leave. 22 is too many. One or two, what can you, you know, who can stop anyone from suing anyone else for anything? You get to 22, you're at the point where something happened that shouldn't have happened here, and we're not going to let this guy play until these cases are resolved. So, you know, to the extent that he thinks he's going to get suspended six games and everything's going to be fine, he may not play for a full year and then next year he'd get suspended, and then it would be over. So that's something he needs to factor into his intention or not to settle these cases.
1: So I guess uh, the follow-up to that, before we move on to a couple other items, is what do you think the commissioner is going to say when he meets with the media a couple of times over the next several days at the, uh, the annual meeting down in Florida? I mean, what do you think he's going to say?
2: He'll basically say what they said in their statement last week these are serious allegations that we continue to study very carefully and whatever question he gets asked he'll recite some version of that and they'll move on I I I really do think that's what will happen it's part of what he gets 65 million a year for those four times a year when he's in a press conference and the tough questions come his way he finds a way to to get through the minefield and move on to the next topic so I don't think we'll get anything new or any type of revelation now you know off-season program starts April 19 for the Browns and they expect Deshaun Watson to be there and in theory he could be put on paid leave before then but the NFL typically waits until football season to do that kind of thing because if you put him on paid leave then you make it a big deal and more people know about it this is ultimately a PR tool for the NFL to take the heat out of the hot kitchen and put the guy on paid leave so I think they continue to work privately and i think they hope that the case is settled so they can move on to figuring out whether or not there's a suspension but otherwise to not make this a bigger story than it is
1: so you think it's possible he gets on the commissioner's exempt list until everything gets settled and then he'll get um he'll get suspended like it's entirely possible this 5 year deal that he might not play for an entire first year of it? I I think it's
2: entirely possible that if 22 cases are pending, when August rolls around, they'll put him on paid leave, and I think that he needs to understand that in no uncertain terms, and once he does, that's when his no intention to settle the cases will become every intention to settle the cases, but he's got to understand what it means to fight, and even though there's not a price to be paid, because he still gets paid. The price is you don't get to play. And the NFL has always said they don't think that's punishment. Of course it's punishment. I mean, you want to give anybody else a paid vacation from their job, 99% of the people out there would say, I'll take it. But for football players, they want to do their job. They want to play, especially after a guy sat out all last year for different reasons, but similar. This year, if he starts his time in Cleveland with the league saying, you're on ice until these 22 cases are over. If he knows that, then he gets these cases settled, I believe.
1: Mike Florio here on the Rich Eisen Show. Possible that Kaepernick gets a shot here? He was working out. He's talking in front of microphones. We talked about it last week, um, that that would be, in my mind, the last piece of the wildest off-season three-week period in the history of the NFL. Is there any there there on that front from what you're hearing?
2: Mike? Well, back in 2020, post-George Floyd, when people had the epiphany that Colin Kaepernick had a point, in 2016, right? Right. There was that groundswell, that recognition. This is exactly what he was talking about. It felt like if the window was ever going to be open again, it was going to be open then. And it felt like it was open and there was a sense, hey, it's finally going to happen, and now here we are two years later. And I think he wisely seized on what we all realized early in the quarterback carousel process, that the supply was not going to necessarily meet the demand. And when you had, at least for a little while, Mason Rudolph as option one, In Pittsburgh, and you still have Drew Locke as option one in Seattle. If he's ever going to get a chance, it's now. But I think it comes down to the simple fact that they've successfully frozen him out for five years, and no one at this point, and I don't say this as a political observation, I say this as a pragmatic business reality for the NFL, given every choice they've made for the five years that Colin Kaepernick has been a free agent. I don't think anyone wants to even flirt publicly with Colin Kaepernick, because the minute you do, 30% or so of your fan base loses their minds. And that's why he never got signed in the first place. And again, that's wrong. It was wrong for them to collectively shun him, and he ultimately got between 5 and $10 million from the league for colluding to keep him out, even though he never did anything that violated any rules. I know that makes people mad, but he never did anything that violated a single rule of the NFL. But here we are now, and we know that that segment is out there that is just ready to get triggered and just ready to activate what owner, as a business matter, is going to say, and is going to have, as I said last week on PFT Live, the moral and financial courage to do it. None of them do. None of them do. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just I'm like I've been following this league for 50 years. None of these owners will stand up and do the quote-unquote right thing because they know it's going to cost them money and it's going to create them headaches.
1: Oh, man. I mean, if the guy has the ability to play, it's time. You know?
2: Absolutely. Well, it's been time. Rich, it's been time. Think back to March of 2017. He becomes a free agent. And and what happened? And I don't, you know, I don't want to piss off any of my colleagues in the media, but it never stops me any other time. How many people were peddling BS, flat-out BS, that was being parroted to them, by people in the league who were scrounging for a way to justify not doing business with Colin Kaepernick. And we heard all of these BS talking points repeated over and over and over again until you know and and they're all they're all flawed. But it doesn't matter if they're flawed. What matters is the fans out there that are anti Colin Kaepernick start spouting that stuff off and it turns into this big social media blender that, you know, you you can support any position you want to support. So it all started five years ago. He should have had an opportunity the moment he opted out of his contract with the 49ers. They would have cut him. If, you know, people use that. Well, he opted out. He could have stayed with the 49ers. He opted out. It's his fault. They were going to cut him if he didn't opt out. He just wanted to get to free agency sooner. And, and, so, and, and so this is five years old. This story has been hanging around for half of a decade. That's why I don't see it changing all of a sudden. What, what, what out there that's happened other than him doing a few workouts, and a couple of crappy quarterbacks currently at the top of depth charts. What else has changed to bring it to the point where we're going to reverse five years of the NFL giving them the cold shoulder? And again, I think it's wrong. It's been wrong from the inception. But I don't know what's changed to cause what would be a dramatic shift at this point.
1: Mike Florio here on the Rich Eisen Show. Um, before I let you go, you just mentioned how the 49ers once upon a time cut a quarterback that took him to the Super Bowl in Kaepernick. Is that the option in front of them about Jimmy G right now? How come, is it the shoulder is the reason why he's not going elsewhere, and, or, or just seats have been taken up? What's the latest on, on Jimmy Garoppolo right Well, it's
2: red flags galore for a team that would even entertain the possibility of trading for him. Now, John Lynch, the GM of the 49ers, said today that, that they don't want to cut him. Well, no, they want to get value for him. But here's the problem. One year left on his contract, $25 million compensation package. He had shoulder surgery on his throwing shoulder without even telling the team. He went and did it on his own. Nobody knows when he's going to be healthy. And the 49ers want to trade that contract, that $25 million-plus salary charge and cap charge to another team that currently doesn't know what they're getting. Meanwhile, the 49ers are weighed down by that $25 million cap charge. They could be using those dollars to re-sign Nick Bosa, Debo Samuel. So – It's a strange game of chicken, I think. And, you know, the 49ers possibly overplayed their hands before the Colts got Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan falls out of the sky Mm. onto onto the Colts, and they're out of the market, and the Saints decide to stick with Jameis Winston, and the Steelers opt for Mitchell Trubisky, and there go the three possible destinations for Jimmy G via trade. So I think they're going to have to cut him, and I think there's a good chance the Browns are going to have to cut Baker Mayfield. Those are the two names that I think Mm. people are watching the most right now. And I think both of those guys are eventually going to get cut because, you know, at the end of the day, Rich, even without a no-trade clause, if you have a franchise quarterback or a guy that you want to be a franchise quarterback and you're interested in trading for him and he says, I don't want to play for you, are you going to go ahead and do that deal? I don't think you're going to do that deal.
1: Mike, appreciate the two cents as always. Thank you. You got so- your money's worth. Hey, man, uh, I really <laughs> nice, good. One. Good talking to you, Rich. Same here. You be well. Let's uh, let's do this again soon. Anytime, pal. P- appreciate you saying that. That's uh, Mike Florio at Pro Football Talk. Right here on the Rich Eisen show. We haven't heard from too many Browns fans about uh, Deshaun Watson at all. Nope. Been eerily quiet. You know what? It, it's it's, it's, it's kind of wild. Like the, Hoskins, you showed this photograph, I think, when Peter King came in. The introductory press conference of Watson standing there with his New Jersey and his general manager and his coach. Can you put that up? Because I just think in this Instagram world that we live in, and you look at somebody's Instagram account and you're like, wow, well, that person seems happy. Wow, well, that person seems like they're having a great life. Yeah. Well, that person seems like there's, you know, and, you, and, and then you have in, you know, everybody's a little envious, just like, boy, I'm feeling a little down today. And that person's just having a great time. Well, you have no idea what happens the minute second before and the second after. Even in the moment. Look at this. There's Andrew Barry smiling and Stefanski smiling, Deshaun Watson smiling. The only time in the 50 minutes that they were had a, they cracked a smile. And it was at the end. And anybody who saw that press conference like, well, that's weird. They're still just going to go through with the holding up of the press conference. Um, and the press conference of holding up of the jersey, because the shot we're seeing on the screen right now, where the three of them are just staring into the abyss, that was more like it.
0: Yeah, that was it.
1: And you know, and I, I, I said it looked like a funeral, and I saw some of the comments um, of folks are like, "Well, it was a serious subject. What else do you want them to do? You want to yuck it up?" I'm like, "No, no. I was just saying it looked like a funeral again, compared to Russell Wilson's introductory press conference, which was a celebration." Almost every other one. A celebration. Matt Ryan's introductory press conference. Celebration. When you're making an announcement in a signing that looks like a funeral, that could be a a sign this is not the right thing to do. But we will see what happens once he gets under center and how much we talk about it and how long we talk about it, and I think it'll be talked about forevermore. But it's kind of funny, you know, like you take a look at, well, not funny, but weird or interesting, you know, that you see a photograph and it's just like, well, like if we had shown you that photograph about a year ago, it's like, wow, the Browns got Deshaun Watson. That's incredible. And look how much the what a what a day that must have been for Browns fans and what a day must that have been for. For Watson, you know, and Watson Stefanski in that organization. Instead, it's just it was an absolute funeral.
0: Like Rod Stewart said, man, every picture tells a story, don't it? And, and it's the
1: one other thing to keep in mind as this moves forward in the NFL. Keep in mind. And if I'm a Cardinal fan waiting to hear and you're nervous about the way Kyler Murray feels about you and he came out last week at an appearance and said, I'm a Cardinal Mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. And but whatever was happening that caused him to restore his Instagram account as full on archive all of his archived photos. And whatever might be happening to make him feel like I'm, I'm happy to go about and talk about it, me being a cardinal and everything like that, whatever might have been happening between his agent and the front office and the parameters being discussed, hammering out the framework of a deal, that framework got torn down, got destroyed yep. by the tornado that was $230 million guaranteed dollars bestowed to somebody with 22 civil cases. And you could sit here and say, you could even be the one to say, this is untrue and Watson is being unfairly pilloried. You could absolutely say that. You might be, you know, looking for a chorus to say it with you, but you can easily say that. When it comes down to it, though, that's the reality of the situation. And the Browns said, here's the contract, there's the dotted line, $230 million guaranteed dollars. We are going to put an escrow check for 180 some odd million bucks in the bank come next year, and we're going to put all that scratch in the bank for you. And every dynamic, young, stud quarterback that's looking for a new contract from his team, if it's not every <laughs> penny Jackson? guaranteed... Lamar Lamar, <laughs> he's up next, right? You know, Kyler, name it. Justin Herbert. Joe Burrow. Name it. If any of the young quarterbacks from last year have a huge quantum leap in year two, if it's Mac Jones, if it's Trevor Lawrence, if it's Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, okay? Any of them they will already be saying their 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 agent will already be sitting there saying if every penny isn't guaranteed we've got a problem because the browns did it for a guy with all of that hanging over his head and didn't even play football for an entire year before it yeah. and traded up all of those draft choices so they had the right to give him this deal. And you're not doing it for my guy who has no problems in the community? Nothing at all? is only one masseuse and is one person who is so great. You're not going to guarantee every penny for him, but your colleague in Cleveland did it for Deshaun? Well, we got a problem. As a matter of fact, wait a minute. Let me bust out the stationery and send out a whole treatise about it to the community. That's happening right now. Most potentially, definitely. in Arizona. It's all behind the scenes, but whatever framework might have even been an idea of what potentially hammered out, whatever numbers kind of got thrown around just as an opening volley throw some new numbers over. <laughs> in the same way that Tyree Kill's contract with the Chiefs apparently was over, the minute Devonte Adams signed for all that mm-hmm. cash in Vegas. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll have some overreaction Monday conversation or your phone calls. Some people have been hanging on forever in a day. We'll do that when we come back here on the Rich Eisen Show. Let's talk O'Reilly Auto Parts, people, or as you might know from their jingle, O-O-O O'Reilly Auto Parts. They're in the business of keeping your car on the road. back here in our terrestrial radio outfit talking about Devin Booker's MVP, um, bona fides. Mm-hmm. Uh, one other thing too, man, you know, is, is, you know, to talk about our, um, what the MVP race would be and the two, the two top candidates are, are were in that game, right? Would you say? i to say so. What, would, Mar- does Morant, see, I haven't heard, you know, a lot of chatter about him being an MVP. But, I mean, you've got to look at a top-seeded team. But the Celtics are, you know, sitting atop. Oh, by the way, the top, and on yeah. tomorrow's program, um, the man who's playing Red Arbach in winning time, Michael Chickless will be here okay. in the studio. And Brockman's going to miss him. Winning time was very good last night. One thing, one thing I, I, I will say this about Brockman, who's not here. So let's talk about him. Um, it's I, I, I'm going against him in the Rich Eisen Show fantasy league mm-hmm. final that starts tonight. Of all people, you and Brock No, well, you, you better hope I win. I, you're
0: both going to be obnoxious. Honestly, I think he'll be less obnoxious than you will. What? <laughs> the guy Absolutely. Who about the what? Week Absolutely. Last year comes yeah, I, back I, and wins. He won't say so much about. But if you win the bat, you're going to be it's, you're going to be hard to live with. <laughs> if I win it, if you win it, yeah, you really are. <laughs> Why would you say you that? you know that? Like I'm not saying anything that's surprising you. Like. <laughs> The only surprise is maybe I'm saying Whoa. it out loud to you, well, but you hold on, know. Hold, on a I, Mike, hold on Am, a am I lying?
1: Am I lying? I'm laughing when you So when you're saying that, <laughs> uh-huh. would would what would, would me saying the following give you a little bit more pause in okay. in, in in painting me with such a broad brush? <laughs> well, it depends what you say. Okay, is that. I would be worse off than Brockman, but at least I talk about what I care about, and I don't act like too cool for school like Chris does. Like you know, he wants to win, but he acts like you keep talking about it more than I do, and you know, you are absolutely you, hit you know no at least at least I'm upfront about it. You slapped the crap out of that take. Yes, you did. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You know, are we getting? Well, a I'm, a, I'm, for a me? I'm a protector. I'm a protector. So <laughs> so. That said, if you feel that way about me, uh-huh. I will just walk through the front door and tell you what it would look like <laughs> okay. if I win this league. <laughs> Please do. Certainly, if you didn't even make the playoffs. I did not. I just Thanks beat science. Rich Eisen's show call screener, although in a very, very tight spandex to use a uh, spandex tight, to use a Stuart Scott phrase, mm-hmm. um, uh, spandex tight victory. I just beat Rich Eisen's show call screener Adam Chudwin. I did. And if I beat Brockman in the final, because I beat Chudwin to make the final, and I beat Brockman in the final, I will be more than happy oh to make myself available as a guest on the Rich Eisen Show basketball podcast.
0: I knew halfway through that.
1: Was no, good. I'm more than happy yeah, to make you know, myself we'd available. You,
0: we'd love to have you as our first guest. Sure.
1: What, what, you, what better guest than I know you you guys? Just... You, you guys are doing a, an excellent job talking about basketball. Thank you. Thank you. But if you'd want, like, a bona fide expert <laughs> I they say they might. to appear... <laughs> On the pod, I will readily make myself available to you. You know what I find interesting? No. That,
0: you know, we're not talking about the Rich Eisen Show uh, NCAA tournament bracket. Right now, well, you're winning that big yeah, time. You're well, crushing it because you chose Duke. Is
1: the first time we uh, bothered to mention it, well, because you because you chose Duke. Well, and everybody I'm smart. else chose everybody who's out. Because well, I, I knew what I was talking oh, about. So, I, what's worse, me winning the 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 fantasy league or mm-hmm. Duke winning it all and having to hear it from you?
0: Probably Duke winning it all because I already have a speech. Dude, you lined chose up, Virginia so. Tech. Yeah, that was just but you got the rest of it right. I got the rest
1: of three it. final four teams, correct? I could have just I could have been a chot guy, but that's never fun. Let's go to sideline Mike in Atlanta. That's line one, Mikey, line one. DJ Mikey D. What's up, sir? How you been?
3: I've been well, gentlemen. Ah, uh, the two at work. Great. But Brockman's not here. Okay?
1: You know what? I mean, we're trying. And, and Mikey Mikey's heading out uh, yeah. for parts unknown tomorrow. So uh, it's all good. Sideline hey, Mike, just know that Tony Stark
0: is always head. here.
3: Now, I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm not yelling. I'm not, you know, in, in full throat. Okay. These guys. When I tell you, Rich, <laughs> I did not want to see Duke again, brother. After my target, years, you know, just basically rained on the parade. And these guys have gotten it together over the last two weeks. And they're playing better than anybody in the country. And I, I heard a guy, uh, my main man, Mr. Metcalf, say after Chefsky told everybody to shut up, be quiet, that the season is not over. And if they mess around and win this national championship, the season is not over. It's going to be on a black background with ellipses, and that's going to be a 30-for-30 that the four-letter network is going to jam down our throat. With that being said, notice I'm starting to yell now. That's it. Uh, uh, Villanova is going to beat Duke, baby, if we don't close the deal. Just understand that.
1: I don't know. I don't know, sideline Mike, is that they were, look, because I've, I've, I've watched a lot of Villanova um, because yeah. um, because I was waiting to see if Ohio State would make it to the Sweet 16 and make it a Michigan-Ohio State uh, sweet oh, oh, 16 game. The,
3: the, the little 10?
1: No, little ten? No, I, you know, no, I was correct. I understand what you're saying, that the Big Ten had nine teams in it and none of them made the Elite we're, 8 we're a lower I, I get. b,
3: Rich. We're lowercase b.
1: I understand that. So uh, I was watching Villanova play Ohio State um, yeah. because I was, like I said, hoping to see Ohio State play Michigan, but, you know, they right. fell short. Um, yep. And then I watched Michigan obviously lose to Villanova and then yep. saw what Villanova did to make um, – you know, you the should. final four. Right. right. And yeah. so, but, but they play six, they don't have a very deep bench and they lost no, they their don't. second, their, their second best scorer. Now, obviously you you can't discount Jay, Wright. I appreciate no. the call sideline, Mike, but good luck to your call back later in the week. Let's talk a little bit more. You know, I, I do want to say this, you know, that kid Gillespie on Villanova. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, and I kind of had my fun saying that the uh, Villanova <laughs> Wildcats just, you know, keep on finding out of central casting, you know, somebody who looks like they're related to Tony Danza, right? Dante DiVincenzo and now Connor Gillespie, right? Uh Um, Gillespie, once the game ended, once Villanova, it wasn't really much in doubt, you know, towards the end against Houston. But once the game was over, Gillespie went right up to Moore at the end of the bench and sat down with him. I saw that. Okay. And the team celebrated around him. And then when the net cutting was going down and they got more, you know, involved in that, but when the hats came out, Gillespie went to, back to more and made sure that he was not being just left to the side that lost amongst the moment that they were all trying to get to, which was the final four. That is the ultimate, ultimate personification of great teammate yeah. human leader and the brotherhood of 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 man and and team and that was amazing saw, it wasn't lost on me i i i thought like that was amazing i and,
0: noticed that and i noticed coach Wright also seeking justin out as you know after i think jay had cut there right before he went up there he found him gave him a big hug
1: you know I, I i will counsel this to cbs and turner and everybody else cut that into one shining moment that's a that's a yeah. moment that should be in there too no doubt because it's not just about the you know on court stuff i just wanted to throw that out there
0: yeah that was a cool moment to to see
1: all right uh we will take a break and take more of your phone calls in a moment and there is um something that uh, a foot on the quarterback front appears to me based on what one of the coaches in the uh, NFC had to say at the owner's meeting today. I'll put more meat on those bones. Hour number three, Iron Eagle and Overreaction Monday coming up. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about... How to think. Paula, while certainly
2: you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen.
1: Back here in our terrestrial radio outfit, I still can't believe Will Smith hit Chris Rock on live International television in the, front of the entire the Oscars show. auditorium. It's just absolutely. Just one of those weird things, it, man. We will ne- it will never, ever, ever go away yeah. for both men and for the ceremony. And like you said. about ever. About Questlove.
0: Like, that's someone you think of immediately. Probably everything that happened after that, right? You're just kind of like, the air was taken out of the room. I Out you know the room. I have friends who were
1: in that room and they were basically Have you like, called your friends yet to to find out what their take on it cuz I've had I've spoken to people who were in that room too and they said it was insane. Yeah, I got the a word text, that was used was insane.
0: I had texted like 148 last night. I was already in bed but it was just like man, that was blanked up.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I got I got a text from a friend uh who's like in who you know in in this industry. Mm-hmm and And people wonder wh- how uh folks Hollywood wonders why folks uh across America think they're they're nuts and insane <laughs> or difficult to like Well, let me put it this way, right You know
0: anyone who lives in anywhere and has been to a bar and has had one or five too many beers has been in a situation where you've wanted to probably slap someone and they went ahead and did it so uh, I'm saying the people that Look, they're thinking they're Hollywood people are weird this is, have probably done it. This is weird though. This, this is, is this is out of character for these two. Like like I said at the beginning of the show, I made a joke. I was like, if you just said someone would have gotten slapped at the Oscars and fifty Cent wasn't involved, like that's just that's trying to be funny. But like I'm I'm still having a hard time like
1: the New York Post headline was off the charts like an all-timer. Oh,
0: yeah.
1: Yeah, was uh, we'll great. pop it up there. <laughs> Best <laughs> Smackter. <laughs> Finally, course- Oscars are a smash hit. Will Smith loses it over Jada Joke slaps Chris Rock. And again, like what? There's the so unfortunately think this is The Oscars, unfortunately, has become the only moments you talk about are the S-show moments. Yeah. Where, you know... Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway read off the wrong name, and then they don't have a host at all. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, last year, whatever that was. Now we're talking about yes. the bet, and then and then he won the yeah. award for best actor and talked about how, I guess, he's still in the role of, of Richard I Williams mean, as a protector, protector of a family yeah. and apologized to everyone, but Chris Rock. That's method acting. And right again, there for whatever Rich. you want to say about the joke, and it was stupid, okay? The joke is. I don't feel
0: the joke was that bad, to be honest Dude, with you. Dude,
1: if she has a problem. Yeah, and granted, and that's true, but I, I again, mean, I
0: don't know that this was, as we and said. And there's
1: also a history. Like, I think he, he yeah, made a joke years at, years her, at her at yeah. her expense a long time 2016 ago. 2016. And at so, at the Oscars. you know, but Will Smith laughed at it. Yeah, but Rich, it's
0: like you've ever been in those situations where either you get really uncomfortable or nervous. Sometimes course, your laughter no, comes I, out. No, so, I,
1: I understand you know, that. That's but, what that is. But he's laughing at it, and then he realized, okay, my wife's not terribly happy about it. Or he may have realized, wait a minute, did he just say that? And then he feels compelled to get up, and hit him. Yeah, that he was hit him. He hit him. Let me rephrase. Let me let me rephrase that.
0: He hit him it's not just he hit him though guys this is much bigger this this is Will Smith and Chris Rock, Rock these I mean, aren't two like jabronis these aren't two yeah. B actors these are this is like top of the pyramid this is but top of the food also, chain like I said this before. is like if Tom Cruise got up and smacked Will Farrell. like this you know this is this is hard to, to wrap my head around man it
1: really is again it's a comedian making a joke and if you have a problem with it because you think your wife has been disrespected, you go find him afterwards, and you handle you handle your business there, yep. in front of the whole world like that, and it will be discussed, in, in, and again, every comedian around this country and on Twitter oh yeah, right. is all up in arms, mm-hmm. because you've got to take risks as a comedian.
0: Absolutely. Well, I, mean, I I still can't believe that happened. Well, the crazy thing to me is all the people on social media who are still convinced that it was staged. Oh, like, well, I thought let that. Let me just tell you. No, no, what first, what, what, you, I what could you no, no, offer Will Smith and Chris? Like we, monetarily. They're status-wise. Yeah, well, no, no, no. They're already, like I said, yeah. they're already top of the food chain. There's and nothing you could offer them, and people say for ratings.
1: That, again, the show was almost over. They dumped out of the broadcast yes. visually and audio-wise for clear seconds, and then when they came back on, Chris Rock was confused. Was, was confused. I mean, like you just got the crap. His right? head was spinning, potentially, yeah. literally, and then absolutely figuratively. Like he had to realize, I just got hit by will smith in front of this entire auditorium Mm -hmm. and and you could see he was discombobulated and this is a guy who's probably been there and done that live for everything except this moment you're not prepared for somebody to you know give you his thoughts on the tastefulness of your joke and the direction of his wife in real time with his open right hand Especially a joke know, that
0: wasn't written, you could tell it was just I mean, kind of like said as he was wow. saying his jokes.
1: Still can't believe it. Yeah, it was <laughs> it was bad. Okay. Back to a little bit of football here. So at the uh at the owner's meeting that's going down right now in um in South Florida, every coach is talking. It seems even Belichick spoke today. Yeah. Didn't give very much about uh, anything except he said that Matt Patricia will be heavily involved in the offense on his team and Joe Judge is back. So everyone's back. Everyone's trying to figure out how you're going to, you know, fill in for Josh McDaniels. And you're not going to get any answers from Bill. I mean, that's just not going to happen oh, on that right. front.
0: Lucky um, he showed up.
1: But one soundbite that leapt to my attention, Pete Carroll. Saying that they're, quote unquote, still working on their quarterback situation.
0: Hmm.
1: What does that mean? And I'm wondering if that means waiting for the Browns to eat a whole bunch of Baker Mayfield salary. I'm wondering if that means a draft. Pick, or I'm wondering if that could possibly mean waiting for the 49ers to cut Jimmy Garoppolo Ooh. and keep him in the NFC West hmm. and see if a coach who has been accused of not letting his quarterback cook and wants to run it and run it and run it and play defense will take the quarterback who once upon a time did exactly that in getting his team from that division to the Super Bowl. Hmm. I'm wondering if any of the above is what we're talking about right now. Because I know every Seahawk fan I know still can't believe that Drew Locke could be (laughs) the guy who they're going to place their bet on for 2022 in a division where, you know, you'd think the Seahawks with Drew Locke would be way deep down in the dungeon of that division because I believe in Trey Lance. But I just wonder if the Seahawks quarterback situation might also be another former 49er quarterback in Kaepernick. Mm -hmm. I keep on coming back to that thinking that that would be a place where I think Seattle would be a good town for Kaepernick to get that opportunity if they are so inclined. What does still working on it mean? And I haven't seen Kaepernick, but on film, if I had my druthers, if I'm a Seahawk fan, if I'm rooting for one, I'd want Baker Mayfield. Chip on his shoulder, come on in, let's go. If Kaepernick can still play significant level of football, I'd take him. He knows the division. You want to make a splash with Russ out of town? That's one way to do it. That's one way to do it. Get some eyes on you. You want to run it and throw it? Again, I know you hear he's 34. He hasn't played in forever and a day. When he was on in his late 20s, When he was on, I've never seen. He was an ATM. I would call him an ATM where you'd put the football card in and money would come out. The question is what denomination or from what account, savings or checking, (laughs) running or passing? Which account do you want it from? Because you're just going to get money. You want it from the running account? Got it. You want it from the checking account, passing account? You got it. And I just can't imagine that that sensibility is gone. But just I just can't get over the fact that Russell's gone, and Drew Locke is the guy that they think, okay, we'll go we'll go into the season with him, unless they can sit back and wait it out. Because at some point, Baker Mayfield, it will be hard to keep him around. And the coach today, Stefanski, said he wanted it done sooner rather than later. I think it's a dollars and cents issue. Hour three, Iron Eagle coming up. Still here on Peacock. Let's go to um, um, Chris in Missouri. You're here on the program. What's up, Chris?
3: Hey, Rick, thanks for taking my call. You
1: got it.
2: You know, um, the goal of overtime is to end the game quickly and fairly. And I know earlier in the show, one of your worries was that the team who won the coin toss would defer. But what if there was a rule... That said, however long it takes the first team to score, that's how long the second team has to score, or the game's
1: over. No, and I, and I heard that another another idea was however many plays it took. You know, uh, if it took if it took eight plays, if somebody grinded it out, fifteen plays, you now have that number of snaps to score, and that's just a gimmick. That's a gimmick. What what about if it takes somebody one snap, seventy-five yards on their first possession? Sort of again, the first. Game and the new overtime rules 10 years ago where a touchdown ended it, that you had to score a touchdown to end it because they were sick and tired of watching a field goal just end it. You know, um, that was uh, Demarius Thomas, may he rest in peace, getting thrown over the middle to, to him by Tebow. So what, Then then the other team's got to throw a 75-yard Hail Mary to win it? I mean, how unsatisfying is that? I don't like that at all, to be honest well, with then, you.
3: You said that you liked the game that just ends with one touchdown if it's one possession to kind of leave it as it is. So that would, hypothetically,
2: be that play of just leaving it as it is. The one play Hail Mary, I don't think would happen too often. But I no, know.
1: I know, and, and I know it's it's a, it's a rarity. But thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Again, the owners are just not going to go. For, they're not going to go for anything they think is gimmicking. They're just not going to do it. Yeah. No. And. That's a gimmick. The two-point conversion thing that Vrabel's throwing out there is a gimmick. They're not going to go for that. They'll just, you know, they might just say, let's screw it. Both teams touch it, and we'll see how it works out. But they, I would suggest they um, they try it out during the regular season. Because to just try this on for size in a winner go home game for yeah, the first time is just going to be rife with all sorts of holy heck that... You mean try it out in the preseason? No, try it out in the regular season. Do it. Let's do it. Let's go. If you're going to do it, just do it. Don't (laughs) just say wait for the playoffs and then all of a sudden it's different between the playoffs and the regular season and you're seeing the unintended consequences for the first time in the playoffs. I think that's a problem.